Cotton Mouth Meteor. Yeah, and I kind of look at like growing sort of like sports. Like, you know, you and I play baseball or whatever. Like, we're bros, right? Like, right, you play right. baseball, I play baseball. Like, that's how any, it's like growers, right? Right, absolutely. Um, you can talk shop together. Yeah, you talk shop together. The Bon Custer. Yeah. Baby, tell you so damn fine, dog. Wanna know if I can hit it from behind, dog. I'm sipping on you like some fly wine, dog. When it's over, I'm Yo, cannabis lovers, welcome to the Boncast, a podcast about people in cannabis. My name is Matt Meredith, and I am your host, your guide, whatever you want me to be, really. In this latest episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Kevin Kraft of Honor Cannabis in Denver, Colorado. Honor Cannabis is a company that specializes in manufacturing grow bags for craft home cannabis growers. I really enjoyed getting to know Kevin. He was really an awesome dude, uh, super down to earth, Awesome, proud father, very nice gentleman. We talk about Kevin's entrepreneurial journey that started at just the age of 15 owning a skate shop that eventually transformed into his current career today in the cannabis industry. We talk about Kevin's deep passion for serving the cannabis home growing community. Talk about some of the nuances of the home growing community, as well as getting to know Kevin overall as a person. And without any further ado, please welcome Kevin Kraft on The Boncast. Right on. So, you're Kevin Kraft. Yeah. You're in the cannabis industry. Yeah. You have this company, Honor the Plant. Yeah. Just give me a little background on what you're doing currently in the industry. Well, you're here in the shop in Denver, so we're, uh, we're sewing grow bags. Um, this company is about two years old. I started working on it about four years ago, and it was that classic, you know, the wife came down and said, you got to do this someday. Right. <laughs> and uh, it just stemmed from me being, you know, I love products and uh, I just got frustrated with the home grow because most of the products in this industry were designed for sort of the bigger guys. Mm-hmm. And More commercialized. Yeah. And so I just started tinkering and DIYing and just like, you know, how a lot of people I think start companies just got frustrated with the bags was the thing that kind of frustrated, frustrated me the most initially. And so... That was uh, just a passion of mine to make really good grow bags. Yeah. So typically, like if you were not to have your grow bags, what would people be growing? Like just in regular plastic pots or? Yeah, there's, I mean, you can, it's a weed, it's a plant. You can, people grow it in buckets in Walmart bags. Our bag is just designed to sort of give it the best environment. I'm really passionate about the roots and making sure that they're air pruned and, and stuff like that. So I tell people all the time, like, if they can't afford my bags, you know, there's there are cheaper options out there. It's like anything. But I'm trying to provide that craft grower, someone like me who's just passionate, who spends sometimes hours every night with our plants, right. um, just sort of the best bag that they can for the money. Mm-hmm. And I'm also passionate about the material I use, uh, just making sure that it's a safe material because a lot of people are spending a lot of time with their soils, living soil, organic soils. You and, want it to be uh, safe for the consumer. Yeah, I don't want it to be leaching into their soil and stuff like that. So I, I take every little, I just real passionate about making sure it's for my community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's really affordable. I mean, what? how does like the price of your bag, which I saw online, they're like about 15 bucks, right? Yeah, for, that'd be uh, good, yeah. Um, like the mid-sized sure. bag. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how does that compare to like what they would buy at Walmart or something? So... When we first launched almost two years ago, we were, we probably were viewed as like, wait, what the hell? Like, why would I spend $16 on a bag, you know? Right. Um, and I think now people are realizing that the quality's there. And 
So you can go, quite honestly, you can buy a grow bag for a dollar. Um, whether it will rip or whether it will work well or not, who knows. But, yeah, you could buy a grow bag for a dollar. Yeah. So, you know, again, there's a lot of things I really haven't shared yet with our – there's a lot of – there's a lot more thought even to the material. I mean, I know every one of my fabrics, how much airflow gets through it. And so, you know, there's... Do you there's, test the fabrics? Oh, yeah. Everything's tested. I mean, I've been working on products for two years that aren't out yet because I wanted at least four to five grows doing it. So I'm always testing the products. For right, sure. right. Yeah. So what would be like your answer to a skeptic that's like, why would I spend $16 on a grow bag when I can go to Walmart and buy it for a dollar? Ooh, that's a that's a really interesting question. Um, not to say that you would need to convince them, yeah. Because if they're not already interested in a higher quality thing, then maybe that's not your customer type. But I guess if someone was still interested, like, what would be the answer? Well, I think it's also my bags are designed to literally be made grow after grow. I've got bags that I invented with a very similar material that's not even as good as what we're using now that have been sitting on my porch for four years. You know, and just in the weather, in the snow. And so... Like durable. Yeah, like it, even just from a... You know, we use eco-friendly practices here, but I hope that people are using these bags in 10 years. Right. You know, so... How long uh, does like a, a the $1 bag from Walmart last? I mean, when I do testing on those bags, if you pull hard, you can rip them. Yeah. So they're really meant for one grow. Um, and that was one of my passions with this new line I put out, the core line. Our last bag was called an X2, mm-hmm. and that was the, the last version. It was a two-layer version, and it works really well. But this new version, I've eliminated that second layer, which was a felt layer. And so it's just going to allow that bag to last longer and be even easier to clean. So my bags now are, you know, grow, dump out, or recycle soil and, and reuse um, or for guys who like, a lot of guys now like to keep soils grow after grow in like a living soil environment. Right. I hope that in 10 years, there's, my bag still looks great and still performing for them. Right, right. And it's, I feel like it's kind of a branding yeah, thing for sure. too, right? Like it makes your grow look prettier. Well, I, there's no question like style and looks is important to me. Like right. first and foremost, it's got to work. It's got to grow because I'm right. the grower and I want to grow great function is huge for myself. I always say function over fashion. Yeah, but then it's going to look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can still get fashion on top of the function, then like, oh, why yeah. not? See, and this is what people don't realize. This is, what, this is why I got passionate about this business because at first I was like, grow bag company? Like, no, I don't want to just make grow bags. Is, again, people that don't grow don't understand how much time we spend even like small guys like me that are growing maybe six plants 12 plants whatever maybe you're growing in your small space we're in there every day every night spending hours picking them up trimming our plants like we are we're looking at them and that was one of my things years ago in addition to the performance was i was just like this this looks like crap this looks bad you know like my plants look great and everything else looks terrible so there's definitely a combination for me of function and looks. Right. But again, the, the function is the first I mean, and foremost. You're seeing that stuff every day, right? It can affect your mood, right? Yeah. If it looks ugly, then you're maybe it kind of even subconsciously pisses you off when you see it. and then But maybe you see a pretty pink bag underneath your cannabis plant. And you're just sure. like, you, you, uh, colors are huge, right? Yeah. Like McDonald's, right? They're red and yellow, so that makes you hungry. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I, there's a lot of, like, 
with uh, branding, I think there's a yeah. lot of intention behind the colors that yeah. they use to try to get you to feel or think a certain way. But so I think, you know, the bag's the same way, right? Just pump your mood because you got bright colors, just makes it pop. So yeah. it probably makes your day a little bit better just seeing the colorful bags versus like, you know, for sure some boring gray stuff or something. Absolutely. Um, so kind of transport me back. Um, I know you've had many careers mm-hmm. um, and you first started a company when you were 15 years old. Correct. Transport me back to when you decided, I'm gonna start a skate shop and a business when I'm 15. Like, what was what was that like? Well, I grew up in a, a very conservative town and I was definitely the misfit mentality. And, and that was where? That was in Northern Utah. Okay. I'm from Colorado and, and grew up in Northern Utah. And, uh, <clears throat> I long story short, I won a young entrepreneur contest that someone entered me into, and did you have to do a pitch for that? I did, and it was the full yeah, it was the full song and dance. It was like the Governor Cup thing, and okay. I think I won. I can't remember, but I think it was five thousand dollars. That's big. Uh, it was a lot, especially when you're fifteen. Yeah, and I literally asked my dad if he'd rent a space for me on Main Street, and I started selling punk rock music, doing the local punk rock shows, and started making skateboards. That's awesome. So, uh, and it became one of the bigger, kind of bigger shops in the town. How long did you do that for? Five years. Nice. So that was through like a huge transition period in your life too, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, this business reminds me of that so much. Like just grassroots, like it was just passion. Like it was a, it was an interesting time in skateboarding and punk rock too, because like we were the rebels, right? Like I, I remember opening that shop and there was like three skateboarders in my town and people were like, what are you doing? You're crazy, right? Like, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's just like, I need to do this. Like, right. you know, like I, anyway, so. Your gut, your gut can tell you more than you realize, you know? Yeah. If it feels right, it is right. So. That's cool. So you grew up on punk rock? Oh yeah. I was in a punk rock band and I'm just. What'd you play? The drums. Nice. Because I'm not that good. I'm not, I'm, my tension is not where it would need to be for something like guitar. Uh-huh. So I was more athletic. So I was like, let's just do, like, at the time stuff. it was like Offspring and Blink-182. I was like, let's just do fast double beat. And I'm the guy back there just going, you're leading the charge. Just, yeah. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider myself a drummer. I could just play really fast punk rock. <laughs> You're percussionist. Yes. <laughs> but we, uh, we timed it right. We were terrible. And we'd go to like the neighboring little towns and have like 400 people show up to our shows. It was hilarious. Right. These days we'd show up and people would boo us off the stage. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But when you're 15 too, there's the nostalgia, well, right? Well, punk rock was just, it wasn't the same. It was still underground and, you know... Yeah, so, and I threw all the shows in town, so for me, I mean, back then it was like, I did Offspring, we only had 29 people show up, and I was feeding Jimmy Eat World spaghetti in my, you know, little, anyway, so that was my life, was punk rock music, skateboards, and the truth was, a lot of it centered around cannabis, mm-hmm. I mean. I was just going to ask, did oh, that I mean, to filter into the cannabis Yeah, community? like, I mean, my shop and my, like, my little world, it, it was sort of like, the world of the misfits we called it and yeah. that was where like it was all this this is where people came to you know talk about cannabis or whatever they were doing that wasn't accepted in our town right right <laughs> we were the guys with tattoos and you know 
And my thing, and it's sort of like what I'm doing with Honor, too, is like, even though, like, I'm a punk rocker, even though I'm a misfit, all that, like, I sort of carry this almost kind of, like, not clean image, but, like, with Honor, like, I love, cannabis is so important to me and so many people I care about that I'm trying to, like, have a good image, but, like, at the same time, I'm a grower, right? Like, this, like, this is me. So, I'm trying to balance that, like, we're growers, but, like, really trying to have that, you know, just like a, a positive spin. Right. Because there's just a... Anytime you're in a new industry, it was like in skateboarding and snowboarding 20-something years ago when I was in it. Fighting and all these people claiming territories and all this and, like, you know, that's just not for me. Right. There's too much, too much confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, you did a lot of other ventures or worked with other businesses before mm-hmm. you started onto the plant kind of just like skim your resume I guess for me of like your business experience um my business experience is similar it's it's very ADD yeah I've done a lot of stuff so for me it was I mean I do enjoy business but I like to create so whether it was creating skateboards or for a short period of time doing real estate I like to create communities yeah or my last venture was I created a, an organic um, breakfast smoothie, basically. But my passion was getting the nutrients from farms that had, you know, good soils, were actually living soils. Right. And so it's sort of gone from, it went from like, Misfit skateboarding to hey I'll dabble in the corporate world to right, about did, ten were, years ago. I saw I you were like, first of sales somewhere, right? Yeah, you I did. The VP of sales. Yeah, I, I had one real job, and I did well. But like again, it's just like I'm always, I'm always sort of drawn to more creative stuff. Right, right. So um, that that one was short lived. Yeah. Now I was in San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. I spent eight years in San Francisco. Nice. Which you, is like that, second home to me. Right. I was gonna say you you. Off camera, you were talking about how much you love San I Francisco. Love San Francisco, I do. Is that where you started to grow, or did that come later on? No. I've sort of... The growing is interesting because I think we talked about it off camera, too, is I traveled until about five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was involved with grows that weren't, like, officially my grows. So, like, as a home grower, like, you know, that was... That's when I really sort of took growing for myself to a new level. And that's when I got really passionate about it, was when the lights were in my place. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what, 2014 you started? Yeah. What is this, 2019? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about five years ago. That's funny. I was, uh, I was just entering my freshman year of college. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm much older than you. But it's sort of not fair because, like, I've been playing with soil and doing living soil and stuff like that for over 20 years. And, like, so for me, like, because I've been around cannabis so much and, like, even before I started growing myself, like, I was part of this grow. And, I, like, I, I've always had such an interest in cannabis that, like, I sort of had an unfair start. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, if you're passionate about it, it's all fair, right? Yeah. So. But so what was, like, your first experience, like, with growing cannabis for me it was pretty straightforward again because i'd been around it so much yeah. so like i wasn't your typical like you know getting started uh, cannabis is like there's you know 
I mean, cannabis is my passion, but like, I like growing other stuff too. I mean, I, I like growing other herbs. I like growing other food. Yeah. I like to figure out the differences in how I grow, you know, one plant versus the other. Yeah. Um, and that's like, you know, it's, that's something that's, I've really been looking at the last few years with cannabis is how that differs and how I grow it different than say a tomato or a Tulsi plant. Um, and so, anyway, I don't have the answers for that, though, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know when you, like, first dabbled with growing, like, even working on someone else's grow or being involved with it? Well, I mean, God, we were growing in my house 25 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. I was, like, the real estate guy. <laughs> right, right. So it was always under wraps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, growing up in a conservative town, there weren't that many people who were, uh, well, we just, we always called them misfits. We were all misfits. And yeah. we just, so <clears throat> that's why I say, like, I've been involved with growing for a long time and been around cannabis for a long time, but I didn't actually start doing it myself right. until I stopped traveling. And that's the thing. I was just talking to someone yesterday in the industry, and she was saying the same thing. She's like, I really want to grow, but I'm traveling. And I was like, it's really hard to have a good grow when you travel. It really is. Yeah. And like now, like I try to avoid traveling like anything because I want to be around my plants. Right. <laughs> right. Know? No, I mean they're they're gonna get a more care right? if yeah. you're if you're around. Yeah. It's just sure. like a it's like a child, right? Like they're gonna when dad's around, they're gonna enjoy it a little bit more, right? And for me, and that's the thing for being a small grower, it, there's always something that happens. Like whether it's self inflicted, you know, the other night I just. The other night, I was like, I thought to myself, I was like, did I forget to turn my lights back on? And like one in the morning or whatever, and I hurry and go, and I'm like, I did, I forgot. And it was just like, I avoided probably a mess. Right. But had I not been home. Now, obviously, I got friends who have full cameras, and you can run everything from controllers and all right. that. But right, I've seen like LeafPod, I think. There's, There's some cool few, stuff out there. A few yeah. ca- companies that you can just literally buy this pod. My friends have it, the, that high couple I was telling you about. In their home, they just have like this three foot tall pot, and they can fit like three plants in there, and they can grow, you know, a few ounces and dabble. But it's all controlled from the app. You can control the light; it's automatic. Yeah, the the, the technology. You have to water it yourself, but other than that, I'm sure there's another design that waters it for you, even. Oh, there's there are people that definitely have it automated. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah. I'm always with this business, so I'm always testing stuff, and I've always got something going home with me or going to a grow I mean sometimes I'll have to like get a grow over here and because my personal grow can't handle all the testing we do right and so you you clearly have a a huge passion for home growing yes and I think that's really important obviously in the current state of cannabis uh you know there's a lot especially in California I mean the industry favors people with capital and I'm sure it does in Colorado and I'm sure you know, I know it does in Massachusetts. Like, it's tough for the small guy to, you know, if they're a craft grower, to be able to afford to compliantly get their product out there. Yeah. So for you, I know off camera we were kind of talking about you even had some really large orders, um, you know, thousands of bags potentially, which is great business for you, but you, you turned them down. Tell me a little bit about, like, the passion for your business and supporting the home grow community. Man, we're like, I say we, like my wife and I, we're like the crazy people who put it all in for this business and like we're going broke for it. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that, like, that's the thing that people don't realize is how hard and how expensive it is to start a small business. Um, 
you know, we're we're almost two years old of officially launching and much, you know, years before that of developing and all that. Right. And it just feels like I just started yesterday, you know, because it's still in that mode of You're just hungry. like, well, and it's just, you know, it's, it's hard, quite honestly, it's hard to make money as a small business in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, when, you know, people ask me why when we first started, I sewed our bags in China. And the honest truth is because no one locally would sew for me because I didn't have enough capital. Right. I'd go in and be like, hey, here's my design. You know, I need someone to help me, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be great sewers and they'd look at me and be like, you can't do 10,000? I'd be like, no, I can't, like, I can't do 10,000. Plus, I don't want to do 10,000 because I want to change them and all this. So right. we couldn't get anyone local to sew our bags initially. Um, and until we got to a certain point, you know, it didn't make sense to bring it in-house. But right. yeah, uh, this business has been just one of those things where we've just, we've had to fund it ourselves. So we've just been able to, you, we've kind of cashed in the retirements and done everything we can to make it successful and also by doing it ourselves because we've had plenty of opportunities for investors and you know a year ago we had investor groups wanting to put money in and like I'm so passionate about not just what we're doing and the brand but where it's going that I knew that if I had investors and I knew that if I went that route that I wouldn't be able to do it the right way right and that's the thing is like most my so many of these customers are my friends like you know this isn't just these are people I've known for years and like some of these people have been using my bags even before we started for, you know, two and three years. Right, and just because you had an idea and you wanted people to try it. And yeah, and like, I like, yeah, and I kind of look at like growing sort of like sports. Like, you know, you and I play baseball or whatever. Like, we're bros, right? Like, right, you play right. baseball, I play baseball. Like, that's how any, it's like growers, right? Right, absolutely. Um, you can talk shop together. Yeah, you talk shop together. I mean... I talk shop, I DM to people all the time. We're just talking shop like we would, you know, talking about our grows and this right. and that. But, um, so yeah, so the bags is, the bags is sort of where I started, but I've invented a lot of products. So there's a lot more to come for Honor. When when do you foresee kind of the, that like next step and maybe releasing another product or two? <laughs> the funny thing is, This isn't a bad thing because I don't want this to sound like it's bad, but I've been stuck selling bags. Yeah. Like I told, I might even said this to you guys, but I I told people like if we would have failed as a business in our first year, it would have been actually from success. Not like, oh my God, we're selling so much, I'm buying cars and all that. We just, when you're one or, you know, it was me sometimes and then a couple people helping me. You start, you start getting these orders and you start trying... It, it just... It becomes pretty intense, right? Right. As a small business. You're saying like you won't even post on your Instagram yeah, like until you get the new inventory. Yeah. Don't tell my secrets way. But like there's, <laughs> there's been... Yeah, it's been hard. I mean, there's been... And there's... We've had stuff happen like bags get stuck in, you know, Long Beach and customs and... We've gotten shut down so many times being a cannabis company. I mean, people don't, say people don't realize how hard it's been because I've been bold about being a cannabis company. Everyone right. from day one has been like, be a gardening company, be like everybody else, don't talk about cannabis. And I'm just like, no, it's like... That's your passion. That's my passion. Like, no, that's... Has it, has it gotten in the way of your business at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We get, I mean, we, yeah, does absolutely. It, does, it, does it hurt you, like, on the back end of the business, like when you're filing for when you're filing your taxes for the year and stuff? Well, that's interesting. It'd be nice if they decided they wouldn't take taxes, right? <laughs> no, it's been more of a challenge because 
I've like, I mean, honestly, I've had suppliers say, no, we're not selling to you. Right. You know, I've had, I mean, bank after bank shut us down. You know, even though we technically don't, we touch just sell, supplier. I mean, this is, we sell a bag, we sell right. a textile. Like, you could take this into, we could just call it a shopping bag if you want. Right, right yeah, you take it to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, and put, go shop Put a with few it. veggies in there, yeah. you know? They're super heavy duty, though. Yeah, this they new material good. is amazing. And, uh... Nice, where do you get your logos? You mean, like... Or, like, the actual patch? We get most of the accessory stuff actually out of San Diego. Okay. Yeah, and then the material comes from the East Coast. Cool. So almost everything we're getting now, all this our- is cool. I want something like this for Cottonmouth Media because I'm I'm starting to sponsor my buddy in his jiu-jitsu fights. Oh, nice. Yeah, have you heard of High Rollers Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Is that the? It's the cannabis-friendly. Yeah, yeah. You told me a little yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah, we were talking about it. It off camera yesterday, but um, they've been touring all around the states now. They did one in Denver. They did one in Los Angeles. They did one in San Francisco, which is where I filmed it at. They did, they're doing one in New York really soon. They have. I think they just did one in Seattle, or maybe they had to cancel that one, but they did one in Vegas. They're doing oh, another wow. one in San Diego, which nice. I'm actually going to go to again. Wait, so did they smoke at the event or before? So the first one they ever did, yeah. they smoked on the mats, and well, like they were allowed to smoke at the venue. I think they had a good relationship with the venue. Wow, and cool. So the, there's actually a Vice documentary on it, and you can check it out. But nice. it's like a 10-minute story on like Matt, the owner, uh, the, one of the co-founders, and then Big Lawn, also one of the other co-founders. That's cool. I'll and check it out. For to sure. my knowledge, Big Lawn is business partners with Wiz Khalifa. Oh, wow. And I think Wiz Khalifa was at the Vegas show. And then Matt Stout, the guy, the other co-founder, he has a relationship with the Diaz brothers. Oh, okay. And so he's like Nate Diaz has been a big supporter of it because he uh, has been – affected by being really open about his cannabis use and so he's lost out on a lot of sponsorship opportunities gotten kicked out of UFC yeah, like, I've seen that yeah and then Nate Diaz is like now nah, he's, he's he's a big star because he's openly smoking weed on camera in his interviews and stuff but it's like CBD flower so he has a company that he's a co-founder in uh, Game Up Nutrition hmm. so him and Matt I think are um, business partners in that venture so he's, gotcha. you know, he's doing a good job, I think, of pushing cannabis out there. But I, I love their events. Like they're, That's awesome. Like Matt, the way he put it in the interview I had with him was like, you know, High Times is great, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's like a concert in the hot sun, you know, and is it really like consumer focused of the, a great customer experience? Yeah. Like what are, they, what are you really learning as an attendee versus like at his events, like I felt like it was, it was just like great vibes and like all these people are like fighting but like they're smoking weed together and they're bonding <laughs> right. and it's like yeah. it, it creates this different dynamic of a it's better for the concussions too right <laughs> right yeah thankfully they don't hit each other right because it's grappling but, oh that's true um we kind of talked about but like what were your parents like slash are, how do they feel about what you're doing now so that's interesting so my mom passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease around 19 i'm sorry to hear that yeah that it's been a long time she was awesome they they were uh, very conservative parents um my dad obviously supported me in the skateboard shop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he supported the misfit business back in the day. So he's he's sort of known kind of who who I am and right. So your dad knew that you consumed cannabis or that you're into cannabis? No. No. No one no, cannabis was incredibly private when I grew up. That's the thing about and that's why like I grew up in a super conservative town, so my store 
was sort of the safe place almost. It was almost like a safe house right. for people to come and talk about stuff like that. It wasn't like you came to my shop and you, you know, we were selling under the counter, stuff like that. But back in our snowboard repair shop, that's where most of the stuff was talked about. Right. So definitely didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, no one did. We had to be so careful. I mean, right. growing up in Utah, you get caught with this much and they throw you in prison. Um, and anyway, so it's... Yeah, we had to be really careful. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, I think it's like anybody. Um, when I started this business, I was nervous like I was a little kid to, yeah. to tell him, like, not only, like, I'm going all in. Because I had this huge life event, too, about four years ago. I'm a big Broncos fan. And so that was my last. When the Broncos won the Super Bowl almost four years ago, it was the last time I drank. Mm-hmm. And I was a big drinker before that. Yeah. And uh, so. There's a there's from quitting drinking to starting honor. This is all sort of part of a journey for me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my dad's like 18 years sober, so oh cool. I totally understand where you're coming from. And for me, the coolest part was I sort of knew this was coming, and that was the reason why I sort of got everything in line to be able to start growing. Um, because I knew that if I was going to take this journey and stop drinking, that I was going to have to be growing my own. Mm-hmm. So even before I started growing, I started really looking into like terpenes and terpene profiles and really trying to understand how if I'm going to pull this off, meaning stop the drinking and go all in on cannabis um, or plant medicine. Um, I just had to know a lot more. Yeah. Because when I drank a lot, it was really was more about being stoned. Right. You know, um, and it's just the the effect. Yeah, for sure. It. And it, it was, wasn't necessarily like it. Yeah, it was just like you needed it necessarily. It was just like you liked the feeling of having a few drinks. Oh yeah, or more yeah. than a few. <laughs> I'm That's the okay. guy. I, I mean, look, I drink a lot in college. I'm, so I'm the guy. I can talk about because I'm like when I the first time I ever drank, I was the guy who could drink a fifth of Jack Daniels. I don't know why. I just had a high tolerance. So yeah. unfortunately for me, you know, I was the guy who always did drink more than a couple. Right. Because <laughs> a couple had, was sort of like. Yeah, you had you had a too powerful of a liver for that. You know, like yeah. I don't know, it didn't do much to me, but anyway, it's been great. So yeah, that's and, cool. So your dad's really supportive of it. Now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he. It's. I think these days it's just you know some people don't like it. Some people who've been you know involved in cannabis for a long time don't like how more mainstream it's becoming, and then for some people you know especially with families that maybe didn't didn't accept you or recognize you before it's actually really cool so you know it's it's sort of for me it's i've always sort of been like again i call it the misfit i've always been sort of the misfits from starting the skateboard shop to like now it's sort of like i guess i am still a misfit in cannabis but it doesn't feel quite as crazy yeah no it's, i mean like all i've known is obviously as long as i've been alive witnessing what's been happening with cannabis yeah um so i mean like for me i like that it's becoming more of a topic of conversation yeah whether or not the states are legalizing it in the correct fashions and letting everyone have a fair you know slice of the cake if you will maybe that's not happening which is unfortunate but time I'm time like, is the only thing that we can I'm one of those few business owners in this space that doesn't even like I don't even know what's going on in space like I, I, I shouldn't say this because people are going to be like you're a business owner I don't really care I'm literally so focused on my community and the bags. I'm like yeah. almost not worried about that piece. And I think that's helped a lot. I was going to say that's, that's why you'll be successful. Putting your head down and going. 
I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I have a really vivid memory when I was playing baseball growing up. I quit when I was in like seventh grade. And I had, I had a moment where I was turning third and uh, I was in a slight pickle right between third and home. Yeah. And then I just, one ball, the ball went back to third and I just put my head down and I sprinted and I slid into home and I was safe. I remember my coach coming up to me afterwards and being like, you know what the best part you did there was? And I was like, what? He's like, you put your head down and you just went. Yeah. And I was like, it, I really have thought about that like within the last week. And that's what, that's what you're doing. You know, that's like, that's what you have to do to... It's crazy to just, though to do it. Because you have to just, for a, especially a small business, you got to put more hours in than you're comfortable with, right? Like the Grant Cardone mentality, right? Like 10 times, right? It's 10 times the amount of time, 10 yeah. times the amount of money, 10 times the amount of effort that you thought you would have put into it I'm delivering my twin boys a year and a half ago and I got a someone some famous grower posted and we got all these cells and it's three in the morning and I'm in Maui and I'm hurrying and driving home to ship orders out while my kids are like yeah I mean it's just it's been crazy I haven't taken a day off in two years like it's it is crazy yeah yeah so how's that been being a new dad you know, I don't talk about it a lot, but there were for almost a year I didn't sleep, honestly, because I I I'm I was I'm such a passionate dad. Right. The two things I mean, I love my wife and my kids and my plants and this business. Like that's like me. That's been me for just two years, right? Um, and so there's like from four to seven, I'm with my kids, and like I want to be a super dad. Right. So I wake up with my kids in the morning at six, but then like I work. So there's been tons and tons of nights when even my wife's helped me and I look over at her it's 3.30 in the morning and we're working you know just to pull it off so we can be good parents and this business does she help you a lot with this business oh she's everything she does whether it's work or everything we've done for over two years has been for this business um, whether she quit her job that was with the business or whether she's working that you know what I mean so she's oh she's the biggest supporter of this I wouldn't have done this I honestly she, didn't want to do this because I love cannabis so much and I love growing so much. I didn't want any opportunity to screw that up. Yeah. But I just like, I'm so driven by, you know, what's next and, and helping people, even some, you know, just helping people with just better equipment and stuff. I just, I'm yeah. really passionate about it. You feel like you're making an impact with the people that are using your products and that you're touching on? I do. And the cool part is, Sometimes I'm a little comfortable with this, but I know I am because I get the feedback. I mean, the feedback we're getting about our products is what has kept me going. Because it certainly hasn't been about, hey, babe, I got to put more money in the company that we don't have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, those are the days when you're just like, holy crap, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, anyway, so. That's cool. Do you feel like it'll get to the point where you will be able to take in thousands of bag orders at one time or do you always want to keep it like a small craft grower business my focus is on the craft grower for sure and like when i design these bags like everything i look at here when i'm designing them there's a bag that is being sewed but is thinking about the indoor grow and the grow now what we've sort of made a transition or i've sort of made a transition to mentally into sort of getting more into the outdoor grow and some of the bigger stuff um, so it's something that's coming, mm-hmm. um, but my sort of where where I lead from is from that indoor grower for sure. Yeah. So what would what would be like the maximum order that you would take from someone right now? Right now, honestly, I'd probably turn down most large orders, and that's because what quantifies as a large order? 
I'd probably, I mean, like 50, even 50 or yeah. more. And I've been doing it because, again, I want to make sure that the community, the guy who wants two bags can get one. Right. Um, and I want to make sure that, you know, and so anyway, so yes, I would, I, I would probably still turn down most orders. Um, but we're getting closer. Like, you know, for me, when I... When I come into the shop and I have a minute and I look up and I'm like, what should I do? Then I'll probably go, all right, let's start making a thousand bags of time now. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's just, it just hasn't been my, my focus. And a lot of, I sort of, that's more of a B2B business, business to business. Right. And there's, there's actually a lot of bag companies who do that, mm-hmm. who go after the big you know, corporations and the dispensaries and all that. That's where the money's at right now. Sure, right? absolutely. And again, I just went after my passion, which is... Yeah all my buddies who grow <laughs> yeah no and I think that 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 wins out in the long run versus like I mean sure there's tons of money to be made right now in the industry but it's also you need the money to get the money so yeah. it's like if you know you gotta, you gotta stick to your guns and stay in your lane right know what you know and you know what you don't know right and the yeah, commercial sure. you were saying there's a huge commercial facility in Denver right that's growing like what a thousand plants at one time and there's all there's so many big ones and like out towards the airport and stuff there's just there's it's a it's a whole different world that i almost don't know about yeah 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 last like six months i've been pretty adamant i've been bad the last few months because my girlfriend and i've been on this huge road trip today's literally day 86 of our road trip so it's like 86 days in a row that's so cool going but awesome but i've been really into understanding more of the global market and understanding the canadian market and what are those companies that have public you know have ipos you know what what are they doing and why are they? Or why is it maybe preferable to be, you know, investing into this one on the stock market versus this one? Oh, interesting. So I've been trying to really stay updated on that and understand it. But like, you know, I think uh, the largest Canadian company. So you have Canopy and like Aurora, mm, and those yeah, two yeah. are putting out. Like I think Aurora supposedly is putting out six hundred thousand kilos of cannabis a year. Oh wow! Like, <laughs> how the hell are you doing? You're not doing that with precision quality you know and so like there's there's definitely other craft growers even that I think there's a craft growing company that has an IPO but they're focusing on the craft grower they're only going to do 60,000 up in Canada I think they're in Canada yeah they're um, it's interesting I don't know exactly how it works but there's definitely like a finite amount of companies that are on the New York Stock Exchange that are just growing cannabis oh interesting I don't really understand how that's a thing because it's still a schedule one and so I thought that was the reason, like, why you couldn't get an IPO in the United States, and that's obviously I think a huge reason why a lot of companies don't have an IPO. Yeah, yeah. I don't really understand how they have one though in, in the New York Stock Exchange, like Canopy is. I don't know. They're on the New York Stock Exchange, but how? I don't really get it. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating world to follow because I think it's it directly impacts the the smaller home growers. Oh know, yeah. All of us that are in the industry, even the ancillary services like you. Well, it's crazy too because. It does. It affects everybody. Just up the street here in Denver, I think I mentioned to you, there's dispensaries you can buy ounces for under $100. Yeah, the one so, I went to, they were advertising that. So, I mean, we, we, we don't even need to talk about the quality of that. Right. But the guy who doesn't maybe understand, like, understand health and nutrition and stuff might just go, why would I grow myself when I can go buy a $99 ounce? Right. And that's a whole other topic, but that's where my passion too comes in is like, growing for needs and right. everything from the you know your it doesn't matter but yeah it's, I think even if you're an ancillary service you got to grow I mean I was I was interviewing this woman what do you mean by that 
Um, so even ancillary services like I do video, right? Yeah, yeah. You you make the grow bags. Um, anyone that's touching the industry in any capacity that's involved with cannabis, um, I got this from Ophelia Chong, who I interviewed on my last episode of season one, mm-hmm. and. She was talking about that if you're in the industry, you've got to understand how to grow the plant. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if you don't understand how to, if you've never tried to grow a cannabis plant, then, and I can't, I've never even done it yet, so I'm a hypocrite. But like, <laughs> when we go back, that's definitely something that I want to be doing. Um, I've been observing my friends grow now for three, four, or five months, and so it's been really cool to understand the process more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you understand how to grow it and you understand the product, like how it gets from being a seed to like being smoked like it's a huge process that yeah. is it's tough to to empathize with the industry if you've never done that i think i'm an empathetic person i've heard a lot from other people about it so it's been educational in that way and so i, I think i have that respect for it but yeah i think like you gotta grow yeah and some people like it and some people don't i i say this all the time i i have to grow because of the amount of meds i use but i'm fortunate that i love it right and and luckily, I've I've loved gardening my whole life, so you know yeah. it's just it's one of those things for me that was just a natural. What's been your the biggest hurdle so far that you've had to overcome doing onto the plant? You mean like one instance, or like just in general? I guess if there's one instance that was particularly tough, or if there was, or if there's something that consistently is a roadblock. The capital, honestly. I think anyone who's starting a company and not taking on investors at this stage is, it's intense. It really is. Is it competitive even in what you're doing? What do you mean by that? Uh, Do you have a lot of people that are trying to compete with you making like craft bags? No, no, no. I just, I'm just saying when you ask me what's sort of been the hardest thing is, it's just running a business day to day when you're, you know, you're trying to pull it off and trying to be a small business. I mean, that's what I sort of say now. It's like, it's almost hard to be a small business these days. It's like, I almost feel forced to keep growing and get big. And like, we've looked at all these where we're like, we just want to make grow bags. We just want to make grow products. And uh, these days you kind of have to get big to survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's harder to be a small business these days, I think. Maybe in the cannabis space, yeah. I think I, I think, think in the pr- like producing a product, right, right, because it's expensive to get the high quality. Yeah, and then people just come in and get capital, and then just go do right, it right. bigger, faster, Undercut you. yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we would, should, you ever, would you want to be a conglomerate-sized company ever? People, so I'm going to have to make decisions very soon on how to continue to grow this company, and I know. So for me, it's just going to be. I want to get Honor and Coda, or that's what we call our, our mascot, our logo, Coda. <laughs> I want to get more of our products into people's hands because I truly believe it gives them a good experience. Yeah. And so is what, whatever next step we take, whether that's tomorrow or in two years, meaning whether I add people on or, or sort of take the next step in business, for me it's just all got to go along with this vision I have of being part of the community and developing products for the community and I'm super passionate about when I put a product out it being really good yeah okay so we'll do a quick rapid fire okay here. sounds good so um, you can do like quick answers so how old were you when you first smoked weed I was 15 or 15 I think okay I was 16 yeah it was awesome what's your favorite strain 
God, I guess changes. probably not. Maybe to smoke is probably different okay. than to grow, right? Let me just let me pick one just because. Um, probably Rolex OG Kush. Why? Just it just I need stuff that relaxes me, and anything that relaxes me and makes me creative. It sounds like it's a hard combo without getting anxious. Right. Uh, it was just a good strain for me. So is, um, it, is it a hybrid? It is, and to be honest with you, I. I rarely look at that like right. sativa. Anyway, um, it's from a breeder, I think, in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. Devil's Harvest Seeds, and it just was something I love to smoke. Yeah. Um, another one of my favorites is a new one. I'm a newer one in my arsenal, Salmon River OG. Okay. I did a tester of that one about two months ago, and it just it's it's pretty phenomenal. Nice. Yeah, I think you're, you're honestly right to like ignore sativa indica hybrid at this point because they all look like maybe it'll look like a sativa but it actually acts like an indica or vice versa or you, know, you don't know until you test it and everyone reacts differently too to different strains well yeah and this is rap fire but when you're growing too a lot of times you'll pop 10 of one strain and you'll get more leaning sativa more leaning indica so i might grow this one that leans more but it's you know what i mean so it's, right. it's a weird like for me like kind of doesn't matter right. it's more dispensary right. stuff right <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite snack when you're high Man, I I don't really get high anymore. Yeah. Like when I smoke, like the other when I smoke with people who haven't smoked before, or, or I love it because it like makes me feel high. But <laughs> I I use cannabis as medicine, so it's like I don't. It's rare for me just to. I can smoke a joint. And I'm not gonna be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Um, so I don't really get the munchies or anything anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, my first experience was Lucky Charms. It was the greatest experience of my life. Mine was honey. Oh my god! <laughs> that first time, I remember. I remember smoking and then eating Lucky Charms and just going, "This is magical." <laughs> I, I had a really similar experience. I was at my parents' house. I, I snuck, was at my parents' house too. Nice. I snuck yeah. out of my window because oh, I was on the first floor. We were in the basement too. Go out and then I just sat like I took a turkey thermometer and like. Wait, what? So the turkey thermometers, you know, you might use a pen yeah, to like yeah. carve a hole in that. Oh, hole. oh yeah, yeah. I use the turkey thermometer because gotcha, it's gotcha. the perfect diameter yeah. where you can just like perfectly punch two holes for a, or three if you want to carve. And I packed a little bowl, I smoked it, and I went inside and I was eating honeycomb at like midnight and I was just so high. It's but so I was good. like, this is great being at home. It's so good. So great being at home. I and love that unlimited it. cereal. I'll, it's one of my most vivid experiences is thinking back to my friend and I smoking that first time. We were so happy and just like, it just was a great experience. Yeah. I'll never almost, forget it. It's almost more fun when it wasn't like accepted and you had to go hide to do it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, it yeah. like makes you higher. It makes you oh for sure I, more yeah. of a euphoric memory about it. Oh yeah, there's those. Yeah, it's like part of it is like not being fully legal is kind of fun, right? Right. right. Like, it makes you anyway. Yeah, yeah that's totally. hilarious. Yeah. What's your favorite activity? I guess when you're high or when you when you did. I love to work out. Like that was one of the things for me was like when I really started growing myself was like there's a there's a strain that I. When you say your favorite strains, there's one from these guys up in, I think, Boulder or Netherlands, and it's called Sumo Grande, mm-hmm. and that is the workout strain. Like, you, I would smoke that, and I'd just be like, I got to go run stairs, yeah. or whatever, right? Whatever I was into. I got to right. go mountain bike. Yeah. So. What's, what's your relationship like now with fitness and cannabis usage? I mean, I... I mean, I use, I use cannabis for most things. I'll just... Yeah. I'll put it that way. Right. Um... 
So you I typically consume by smoking, or you do it through edibles, or I, we kind of talked about I, it yesterday. Yeah, I'm in this transition because of my kids. I used to just smoke a lot of joints. I mean, if you, if people who know me and have known me for a while know how many, like I, I smoke a lot of joints because it's the perfect medicine. I've even had this conversation with my conservative dad, like, yeah. number two years ago, being like, I, I, because I have plenty of product. I press. I make edibles, I make oils, I make tinctures. I got it all. I've tried it all. I've been like, the J is just perfect. I can smoke joints all day long and just feel perfect. People yeah. would be like, how can you do that? It just works for me. Yeah. So I've been transitioning out of joints more into edibles. So as a matter of fact, like, this is my coffee. I'll put a little bit of can of butter in it. Uh-huh. Um, so. Do you like the flavor of that better too? Or is it. Honestly. Whatever. I'd much rather be smoking a joint right now. Yeah. But I have two little kids, and I'm trying to be healthier, and so I'm trying to consume more yeah. in healthier ways. What's What's going to be the way, when your kids get a little bit older, like, what's going to be your stance on <clears throat> conversations about cannabis? I'm sure you maybe would be more open to it, but, like, yeah, no, what do you I, foresee? I look forward to having the conversation. I honestly hope they, like, I hope they don't need anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, the way my mind works and as much energy as I have, I've needed something since I was a little kid. I've been prescribed Ritalin and every pill. You know what I mean? I was the kid who was standing at my desk because I had too much energy. Yeah. Um, I can totally see you like that. Yeah, like, trying not to cause trouble, but I'm back there, like, all crazy. Cause yeah. I, like, now, like, I don't even want to look at this video because I'm probably, like, squirming, right? <laughs> um, but I look forward to talking to my kids about it. I think the cannabis plant's amazing, and I look forward to telling them everything about it down to the trichomes yeah. so that they can make their own decision. My guess is they won't want to smoke cannabis because their old man does. Right. Most of my friends who have little, who have younger, like, high school kids, they all think cannabis is lame now because all of us old Because it's becoming it. more mainstream. Yeah, like, yeah. so, they, unfortunately, they, like much cooler shit so I just have this conversation with a friend of mine that lives 20 miles south of here and he's got a 15 year old he's like he thinks it's, he thinks it's so dorky yeah. to smoke cannabis because you all do it right so anyway that's so, interesting so I I my kids are going to grow up my kids are this big and they're going to see the plant they're going to know about it like right. they're going to know that it's it'll be a different world for them yeah especially compared to your upbringing right for sure yeah I mean, I didn't know anything about it. Even the night we smoked it with, you know, Innate Lucky Charms at 15 years old, so long ago, it's like, I didn't know anything about it other than it was just weed. Right. Right? Like, it was scary. Right. But it was fun. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like, anyway, so. Is there uh, anything else that you would want to share or pieces of advice for, I don't know, anyone that's, like, growing? Any home-growing advice? I mean, I think for me... Anyone who's considering growing, if they genuinely need medicine to have a better life and cannabis is an option or it's worked for them, once you grow and you understand how to grow for your needs for yourself, it gets better. And I only say that because like, I know a lot of people who drink a lot and I know that I know that if they sort of took the plunge and didn't just go buy whatever Snoop Dogg strain is at the dispensary and go home and smoke it and, you know, the trichomes were harvested too early so they're getting all... Like, if they really grew it for themselves, they'd probably live a healthier life. So I genuinely believe people that get into cannabis can live better lives, especially people who 
choose other alternatives like I did. Yeah. I split mine. I split it, you know, alcohol. And so that's the one thing I say. I just, I've seen people that start growing just, it just kind of changes their lives from the medical side too. Because yeah. there's such a huge difference in how you grow it, when you harvest it, how you dry it, how you cure it, how yeah. you partake it. Yeah. Do you do you on your website have advice and stuff for people for like mm-hmm. a resource for how to home grow at all? I don't. It's something I'm working on, and I'm almost everything I do in life is self-taught. So I'm the guy who I don't read the books. I don't do anything. I literally sit at my plants and I cut them and I see what they do. Yeah. I take notes. So like, I've been working on sort of a beginner system for the last three years that just makes it a little more simple, but it has nothing to do with, it's. there's nothing more to it really than it just is a passion. Like, I think there's an easier way to do it for people starting. Yeah, like you, you know. said, it's a weed, right? It, people yeah, are like, overcomplicating it. Like, your first time, just try to do it, try to do it the easy way, not the hard way. I see so many people starting and then they see this product and this product and they see me put this in and they see, you know, the gnome put this in and they see, you know, and they're all of a sudden they're putting all this in their plants thinking that it's going to do whatever it did for that person and now their plants going, what the hell are you doing to me? Yeah. You know, you don't go eat pizza, ice cream, ramen, and an orange juice all at the same time. That's the shit people are doing to their plants though. Right. (laughs) <laughs> right, you got to give them consistency a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. I look at my plant soil like my food. Mm-hmm. Even like when I exercise, I need more. You know, when they're growing fast, I need more. Right, you need good nutrition. Simple good nutrition. Yeah, yes. Keep it simple, Simon. Keep it simple, man. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, I really cool. appreciate it, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I, hopefully, uh, people got some good value out of it. I know I did. So cool. I'm excited to try one of your bags, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, where can people find you and your stuff if you want to give a little plug? The company is Honor the, Honor the Plant. Mm-hmm. I almost said the, the Instagram. <laughs> it's uh, just www.honortheplant.com. Instagram is Honor Cannabis. And I am Kevin underscore craft underscore honor at on Instagram. Nice. <laughs> people can find me if they yeah, want to find Yeah, me. and I, I'm sure there will be something on my story uh, Eventually, especially if I'm growing with your bags, I'm gonna be posting that. Of all course, the time. you're gonna grow with my bags. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. I really appreciate cool. it. Yo, cannabis lovers, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Bombcast, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know Kevin Kraft and Honor Canvas. I know I enjoyed getting to know him and spending some time with him. He's a really cool dude, and really enjoyed being in Denver because that was like towards the end of this giant 110-day road trip that my girlfriend and I went on. So we capitalized on trying to, you know, involve ourselves in more cannabis markets around the country. So this is how we got to connect with Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, for having me in your space and sharing your story with me and being so awesome and down-to-earth and such a a gracious host. And uh, particularly, thanks for the week. Be sure to follow Kevin on his cannabis journey and show Honor Cannabis some love, especially... If you're a home grower or interested in home growing, you can follow along the Honor Cannabis journey at Honor Cannabis. That's at H-O-N-O-R-C-A-N-N-A-B-I-S. I think I spelled that correctly. And thanks for listening or watching or whatever it is you did to this podcast, but I'm glad you did it. But otherwise, yo, I'll see you guys in the next Cottonmouth Podcast. I've run out of languages that I that I know how to say goodbye in. So, 
Oh, ciao. Is this thing on? You like my haircut? You know, fun, funny little short story about my haircut. You know, I guess if you're listening, you can't see it anyway, so never mind. See you next Friday. These episodes are supposed to come out every Friday by 420, so don't forget to follow the Boncast on Instagram too, you know. At the Boncast. Probably written on your phone as you're listening to this. Hot damn hot water hot shower. Hot, hot, hot land of smoking green cauliflower. Hot, hot. Tangerine, yeah, collar sweet and sour. And my lawyer say a surgeon, I'ma call him in an hour. Dude, I just called the plug and his phone was unplugged. I was looking at Doug like, ooh, ooh, dude. That shit don't even make no fucking sense. Like having fucking arguments for paying 50 extra cents for barbecue. Saucing on them workers at McDonald's. I don't want to sit and argue good burger shit to touch you with your dues. And I'm more professional and probable. My baby mama stopped me in a meeting just to air drop me some nudes. The fact that you gave us weed was fucking awesome. Cotton Mouth Meteor.